Guys, welcome to another episode of the Validate Mountain High podcast. If you're not already doing so, please head over to Instagram, if that's not where you found this, and give at Validate Mountain High a like and a follow. Tonight, I'm joined with my identical twin brother, Mark. I thought that the first full episode would be best to have someone on here that knows me well and have a chat about my life up to this point and what's going on and stuff like that. So, Mark, say hello. Hiya. Yeah. Thanks for... Well, I'm, I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, this uh, this goes better than uh, the previous, as in we've just recorded an episode and had massive technical difficulties and I've had to go again. So, yeah. hopefully, this works second time better than the first. That means I can cut some of them bits out that were, of you that were boring. Yeah, I'm not staying for <laughs> you know another, another mess up of an hour again. So, <clears throat> so what I thought I'd do is... Um, me and you would just have a brief chat, really, about our, our life today, our upbringing, uh, yeah. military, so that sort of what, and then what we both do now. I get asked like a lot of questions um, about like work, hobbies, search, uh, all that sort of stuff, and I thought it'd be best to give everyone that doesn't know me uh, an overview of like me and and, and us really our, our life as to what they see online, to what the the true image is. Mm. Um, so I thought we'll just sort of ask each other questions uh, and, and go from there really so yeah um our upbringing starting from the earliest memory of the outdoors being i think we were probably about eight yeah it's probably fair to say yeah but i mean this i definitely have earlier ones on this but this is it's definitely a prominent sticking so our, yeah so our, our journey into the outdoors and, and having adventures starts at around about eight years old and um our father was an outdoor instructor, um, absolutely amazing guy. Had a huge influence on both our lives, which we'll, we'll touch on throughout, and, uh, and and many others as well, especially when it comes to the outdoors and, and learning curves and experiences and all that sort of good stuff. Eight years old, Angles Art Quarry in the Northwest, and the conversation goes to my brother, right, Mark, I've took all the time to set his abseil up, you're going off, whether you like it or not. So you're either going to go off this abseil with a smile on your face or you're going to go off kicking and screaming. Yeah, and I, I, specific, I specifically remember going off crying and yeah. having my fingers peeled off the top. And, um, and be, uh, you know, 100 foot when you're eight, might as well be off the top of like a skyscraper. <laughs> and what is amazing about this entire yeah. experience that I remember the most is I was sat there laughing my head off being like <laughs> look at him crying he's being made to go and then I was forced into the same situation <laughs> as you so um so yeah we were quite fortunate to have a a good upbringing it was different that was different yeah, yeah. that was nurtured in the outdoors and mm. definitely give us both growing up um I think not only a drive to be in the outdoors and have adventures and things like that, but to, to to help other people and help inspire other people because that's the example that was laid out to us yeah um, so we sort of grew up um, doing a lot of stuff with our, our father in the outdoors from climbing, sailing, caving, yeah. diving, e- e- every, yeah. like this absolute dream life, really. Yeah. Um, very, very lucky to have the upbringing we did. By no means where we, um, you know, we don't, we don't come from money, um, not loaded, both from Salford, um, you know, and I think if anything, it just shows that you can grow up in you know, a city, a town, yeah, whatever you want to call urban it. urban area, yeah, yeah. And have this amazing sort of, you know, like adventure. A, like an, like a, an alternative life. You know. Yeah, because I think, uh, I'll touch on it probably a couple of times, like I did on the previous recording, that didn't work. Um, that I think people see um, not only social media, not just mine, other people's, and they, they depict that as like, that is your life. So people see that a post every day. Oh, yeah, massively. Uh, well, not every day, n- nearly every day. And, and quite frankly, that is a true depiction of my life. The stuff that I do and a post online is the stuff that we do do as hobbies and what I do. So mm. if I post on, say, Saturday that I'm climbing in the Lake District, I am climbing in the Lake District. Um, and I think that comes from sort of our upbringing of being pushed to to do more. So... yeah. Obviously, that you know, both grew up doing clubs, scouts, beavers, climbing, you know, uh, climbing, cadets, yeah. um, you know, and this this ultimate drive behind all of that was 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 dad, yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, and that, that's that's where it goes from from there. Um, I think it's really important now, early on in the conversation, to mention the fact that whenever anything was difficult when we were in the outdoors, 
or we struggled or we didn't want to do it or it felt like it was a hardship for us because we were you know eight nine ten or whatever and we were cold and wet and you know a prime example like you know when your hands are cold and you and you can't use them properly and you're being made to tie like you know knots and rope that yeah and it's easy to get frustrated and be upset especially as a kid and be like i don't want to do this to just constantly be told it's character building yeah it's character building i mean i remember like you know almost complaining to to dad at the time being like well i I don't want to do this now. It's hard, and he, he, that would just be his answer. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, and he said it to us, our friends, um, you know, anyone we're in the outdoors. That that was the and it, to the point now where when we're out in the outdoors, you know, with with our kids or yeah, you know, with our mates and stuff, and it, and people were like, like, I can't do that. I'm just yeah, it's fine. It's character building, and I, I think that especially it, it definitely sticks to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like even today, like, like you know, in work and things, I just think, ah, well, you know, it could be worse. Well, this it's is the key thing. Building. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, I know, I know for definite. There's a few people who listen to this because they've already messaged me after the first one. But there's one guy, especially that I want to just sort of mention. There's a lad who follows me on Instagram. Uh, if you want to give him a follow, then do. You know, it's, it's not for this, but um, the bearded shooter. So yeah. I, I met this lad. Uh, he followed me online, uh, and then when he was at the British shooting show working. Um, Met him at the shooting show, come to look at some guns um, that Edgar Brothers are selling. Um, I had a chat with him and now he follows me and he follows what Lakota were doing and all the adventures and all, and he's getting out doing more and it's meant to see someone that like, I mean, he may have done these things previous to meeting me, but yeah. there's definitely been an increase in his what he's doing yeah. this year. Um, he's planning to do the North Face of Trifan at yeah. some point and um, was like, oh, it'll be all right. And I was like, yeah, it's a good route that. The first time I did Trifan... And I can say it hand on heart now because Mark's here. I think we were 11 in the winter and it was between Christmas and New Year with, with Dad. And yeah. it'd become a yearly trip to do it, you know, around about the 28th of December. Um, so I think it goes to show that, like, if if you're struggling in your head of, like, can I do this as an adult? Yeah. I did that when I was 11. <laughs> I, remember, I remember asking him. Back, going, when, back when it snowed in the yeah, UK yeah, as well, yeah, in yeah, winter time, yeah. you know. Back when I was a lad. Yeah, back when I was a boy. <laughs> I remember yeah. asking him, well, why do we always do it in the winter? And it's too easy in the summer. And it is easy I, in the summer. Yeah, is, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the biggest problem, I think, doing stuff like that in the summer now, especially this year, is that everywhere, that would be quiet in the outdoors and why everyone goes to the outdoors. It's now rammed because no one's allowed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's a separate subject. Um, so, yeah, so our, our upbringing then, uh, like I said, you know, we, we grew up very fortunate. We, on top of doing uh, a weekly club as you will an activity geared in the outdoors so beavers club scouts um cadets uh all that sort of stuff um you know we were very fortunate that every monday evening we also went climbing from the age of about i think it was probably about 11 11 maybe maybe 10 11 years of age no he was, was younger than that do you reckon yeah, yeah at the definitely, university definitely yeah. younger than that yeah because at that time we were still wearing full body harnesses Oh, yeah, yes, it would have been younger than that. It was, yeah. a, lot, it was a lot younger than that. that yeah. This is what I mean, because the first, definitely the first episode was about seven or eight. Yeah. Because uh, I remember that, because I'm still traumatised. <laughs> although I'm not scared of heights no more, and I, I'm still, I still can't go to that, that quarry or that region of the northwest. So anyway. I, I went there to climb there. Yeah. Um, must have, it was just before. It was. It was. I reckon it was, well, it was before this lockdown. It was. It was summer. I think it must have been summer last year, the year before. I remember looking at it, mate, and it's, it's easy now. I'd probably confidently oh, yeah. boulder that yeah, route. Yeah. And, oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I could. I mean, I could. I could confidently get up it now with no ropes on and be like mint. But as a kid, it was. Traumatic. I I remember looking at that though, like say as a kid, and and obviously we had this influence. This you know, there wasn't just dad. You know, there was these mates who we worked with. You, yeah, I think it'd be great if you if you do this with them because yeah, or if we do this with them because to get their their perspective on the reason why they did these things when we were younger, which probably nowadays, are, you yeah. know, short just short of child abuse. I think it, <laughs> it, it sounds like, but um, yeah, I think now when you look at it, especially back then, we were looking going, wow, look, this person's doing this. You are like you, you know, I'm sure. I, I remember before we used to go climbing on like on like a Monday evening at the University of in, in Salford, yeah. um, at their tiny climbing, and it's a tiny climbing wall. There used to be a programme called They Who Dare. Yeah, I remember that. And it was yeah. like this proper cheesy, like early 90s, like adventure programme of people going like ice climbing and, and like, there'd always be like a dramatic like ice fall or like, you know, it'd be someone skiing. Or, and I always remember being like, when I grow up, I want to be on that programme. <laughs> well, I also remember with that being there, I want to be on that dad and his mates <laughs> telling telling us 
but they did the stunts for the film Vertical Limit. Yeah, yeah. believing that as well at one point. Yeah, you know, like that. You yeah. You see that guy climbing at the beginning of Cliffhanger. Yeah, that's not me. That's one of my mates. Yeah, and you, and you, <laughs> and you believe like, wow, it. Wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> What's mad though is that all our mates grew up like believing that as well because they saw this like you know they saw. Uh, if they weren't there taking part with it, like people like Andy and Danny and things like that, yeah. you know. Um, well, I spoke to one of them recently, and they they only up until recently when I had to break their you know childhood dream that no, it was never them. <laughs> you know, they're they're genuinely yeah. stunt and you know it wasn't yeah. his. And he was like, was it was it not really? I was like, no. Yeah. So I think um, this sort of like modern day image that people see of us like in the outdoors a lot, you know, that that passion's been instilled there since like being oh definitely you know, definitely be definitely Hugely you know so. you classes like being a child. I mean, so um, throughout growing up, you know, we were very lucky. We um, we both um, mostly together, but uh, every now and again, we we do a, a a trip separately as well. We we both took uh, we went sailing every weekend with our dad and and, and stuff like that. But we um, we went on our first expeditions when we were probably about twelve out to sea for a week at a time. And I think over the years between the ages of sort of twelve to 20, definitely twenty one, well, it was eighteen for me. Yeah. Um, 12 to 18 or 12 to 21 um, going on expeditions out at sea um, and if you've never been out at sea on a yacht that has no modern rigging on it so everything's done by hand when you have to do a six on six hours on six hours off rotation at 12 years old I think it's also <laughs> worth noting that on top of the age of the yacht because don't get me wrong it was a very capable yeah uh, sailing yacht uh, GMC or Great Master Challenge but there was also all the issues that go with having a yacht that has an old engine. Well, so well, it regularly used to break down. And yeah, so also, I mean, um, what know. made these these sort of little expeditions that we did? Well, they're not little, but the, you know, they're, they're little and what we do now. But what made it was that you're put on a yacht with a group of young people that you've never met before, all expected to just instantly work this yacht to get it from one place to another. Mm. Um, so it's experiences like that, I think, that paid like a big part in like what we do. Life skills. Definitely, yeah, and I think um, I often, you know, we we spoke about this the other day, and, and when you said to me like, "Oh, do you think, you know, because I tell I tell you what, then rather before I go into that, because I think it the head, so grew up doing all these things, um, then we went um, a fast forward. So when we were eighteen, we went our first proper expedition to Kenya. Um, yeah. There was me, you, and a, a few of our friends that are worth mentioning. So we went away with our friend Jonathan and Jenny and Paul, and we went to. Kenya for I think it was six weeks we built a classroom for a school did some youth work climbed out Kenya work, yeah, yeah and, and like had this amazing expedition in a third world country and parts that we went to are now classed as a war zone um, so at 18 that was our first this is your expedition life and, and this is your adventure life and you know that was also the the first holiday abroad that was that that was my and your first flight first first flight to another country was to a third world country yeah Yeah, kenyan airlines literally bouncing (laughs) off a tarmac in kenya and i looked at you and i was like well for our first plane experience with the plane landed sideways and then when you get off someone ran off with my rucksack full of expedition kit that i then at 18 had to chase down at some third world airport to be like give me my rucksack back it's got my life in it for six months it had everything in it um so yeah so then um that goes on um i then all i wanted to do through growing up was was i was going in the military that that's all i wanted to do and dad was like dead supportive but was like you you're going to college you're having life experience yeah i hated it um so we took me and you then took different paths for the first time in our life being identical twins i joined the military and you went to university, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, it was... Um, that was different as well, I suppose. Like, you know, obviously being with you all of the time and then... When yeah, you I think... So when people said to me, like, oh, was it I joining the army or... Like, was that... I genuinely... The only thing that I think was difficult for me was um, in phase one training um, was, like, my nine, our 19th birthday. That was the first birthday ever in 19 years that I wasn't with you. Yeah. And it was it was weird. Yeah. Um, but again, I think people only, like... It was cotton- brilliant having my own bedroom, <laughs> Like, like you know, think, when you moved out, I had like double the space. Well, I had, my, I had my own room. Yeah, I, I never had a headache either. You know, <laughs> I had to share everything. Like, everything was tidy as well. Like I never got told off for the place being a mess. No, <laughs> <'cause you're laughs> no. I had to share this bedroom with. I had my own bedroom. I had to share it with like twenty other lads in training. Yeah, I um, upgraded definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um, I think the only people who, who truly sort of understand what that is like is other identical twins. I think, um, or twins because like you're yeah. always together. I I have this conversation 
quite a lot actually because the the job I do now where I work there's there's quite a lot of twins not sets of twins but there's you know there's there's people there who have twin brothers and twin sisters yeah uh, you know who their lives together uh, as as your know, twin brothers and sisters are totally different like me me and you have always done similar lines of work um you know if you I speak to these and they like chalk and cheese yeah like one will be a veterinarian and one will be like you know. Working in an abattoir. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's almost like. So I, I think like um, uh, when people, because they, they, they've asked me in you know the presence of these other people, like what's it like being a twin? And the answer that we always give is the same. Like we're like, well, I don't know any different. I've always had a, I've always had an identical twin, but ours is definitely. Yeah, so like... Slightly um, more unique, I think. For the people who don't know, Mark is an absolute ghost. You'll never find him on any social media because... He's either clever or weird. It's up to you how you look at that. Spy. Um, <laughs> he's definitely not a spy, but he's definitely a bit weird. Um, <clears throat> so um, for a while, there's people who've um, who followed me on on social media, and they followed me for a good good couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, and then started talking to Mark and work, and they were like, "Oh, I didn't know you go climbing. Or I didn't know you go shooting. Or I didn't know you were in the army." And then Mark had to break the news to him that they're actually following his identical twin brother, and they aren't actually following him on social well, media. Well, at first like, it confused <laughs> me because you were like, "I didn't, I didn't know you were in the army." I was like, "Well, yeah, I was, but you've, you never asked. Why would I tell you? Um, you know, it's not something that would come up in conversation." And then the more they started talking about like my life, I was thinking, "Well, hang on a second. <laughs> This is definitely the life of McClone. So I let him carry on for a little bit and then went, you know, I've got a twin. And they, they almost were like, well, I don't believe you. I had to, I would have had to show him like a photograph. We're both in search and rescue uniform. We do look like mirror images to be yeah, fair. Yeah. And, and go, working yourselves apart. And they always go, oh yeah, that's you. And they point at you. There's one picture of me and you. I put it online the other day um, at search course probably about four years ago when we were teaching. And I swear to God, mate, it was a bit, I had a double take and I had to work out which one was me in this picture. Um, but yeah, so so our life took a, a weird turn then. So obviously I joined the army a little bit before Mark when he went to university. And then uh, I basically, my university didn't work out for Mark, did it, mate? Um, uh, well, it's not that it didn't work out, it just... It didn't work out, did it? <laughs> it, it you, you, decide, you decided that you wanted to serve your country. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like when I was at university, like, I joined the the army reserves uh, as a combat medical technician because I saw the benefit that it would have. A bit like you do now with the outdoors and yeah. search and rescue it was like this will benefit my learning. Uh, I was studying uh, children's nursing at the time. Um, university didn't work out for me for one reason or another. Yeah, um, and then I made the decision then like, well, I enjoy like this green stuff. Um, I need a job. I was getting. Basically got told you either get a job or you're moving out. Right, you know what? Uh, it's character, epic, it, epic support, it's character from, building. Uh, epic yeah, support exactly. from dad there. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and got told that it was either that or not. So I thought, I'll join it. I'll, you know, it's not that it was um, like a rushed decision to join the military, but it felt like the right one at the yeah. time. And, and it still does very much feel like the right one. But uh, I remember having a long conversation with, you know, dad and other influential people in, in our life. Um, as you know, parents and stuff like that. But then speaking to you, going right, I'm right. I'm definitely joining the army. And you. And what just, did I say? What did you, I tell your, you? Your words of wisdom, which I should have ignored, because definitely it would have saved me going full circle. Now if I'd have stayed in the Royal Army <laughs> Medical Corps, was uh, well, if you don't join the engineers, I'll just disown you. And I would have. Yeah, I would have disowned you. I would never have spoken to you again. Let, let me clear it up now. Like I'm glad I joined the engineers. I'm you know I'm massively proud to have been a sapper. But it that wasn't. <laughs> I say it wasn't hugely down to you. It was one of the three choices on my list. So, but I, I, I know that you looked up to your, you know, your twin brother. Your young, and, my younger brother. Yeah, but you looked up to me because <laughs> I was already in this amazing regiment and you were like, oh, man, and he, I want to be, I want, I want to be just like him. No, it's, that's not what happened. So that's but what I did, happened. I did think I'll, I'll, I'll have some like Kool-Aid. So, so that's what happened. So Mark joined the engineers. Now what, what makes it even more awesome is I remember my troop commander at the time. I went to see him about something because I've been in the army about three, four years before Mark joined. And he, um, he went, I've just had a phone call off my mate who's at Jib Barracks. And I was like, okay, sir. And he went, don't go anywhere. And I went, right. He went, where have you been today? And I was like, on camp, sir. And he went, no, you've not. You're lying to me. And I was like, I'm telling you the truth, sir. Like, I wouldn't lie to you. Like, you know, I might lie about where I am every now and again, but I definitely wouldn't have left camp and gone to Jib Barracks, a phase two trainer, which I hated. <laughs> and he laughed and he went, well, my mate said, and said he saw you. He's even saw your name. And I went, I've got a twin brother who's going through training. And he was like, stand there. 
and he literally picked up the phone call, uh, picked up the phone, phoned his mate, and was like, "Right, uh, you've got a, you've got a sapper assured there going through training. Um, where's he going?" And he was like, "Oh, yeah, I think yeah, I think your brother's going to Tidworth." And I was like, "Oh man, that's like further down south than where I was." And he went, "Do you want me to come here?" And I went, "Yeah, that'd be cool." <laughs> like they were like, actually, my words just like dead chilled out to this like captain like, "Yeah, that'd be cool." And he went, <laughs> "Okay." Yep, yeah, mate, no problem. Put the phone away. Right, it's coming to here. He's going to be posted here for his first posting with you. So, and I was so, like... So what you tell me now is that I'm learning this firsthand. You're the reason my army career didn't go how I wanted it. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like everything... Nothing to do with, with the green machine. It was just you messing yeah. it up from the start. So um, so then that's... that's Well, I bring it up because it's quite unique being um, an identical swimmer. It's even more unique to serve in the same regiment. Yeah. The same posting for... I'll do the same job. Yeah. So it was it was, it was pretty awesome. Um Obviously, I then I, I deployed, went away with without you. Uh, my deployment was the summer before Marks, and that was that was a learning curve because that was my first longest period out of country. Mm. Um, first expedition. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, not first expedition, but first prolonged expedition away. Yeah, w- without you, and yeah. um, there was times where I was thinking, "Oh man, this is like." I, I, I say exp- expedition. Yeah. Um, obviously, it was a deployment, but it, I know that when I went away. It yeah. definitely, aside from the, the doing the job bit, it, it definitely, the living there felt like an expedition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was definitely made easier by some of the stuff that we'd, we'd done, the, the living there. Yeah, so um, I then went away, um, and this this is where our life, both of us took, took a, a pivotal part, really, um, is I deployed, went away, uh, came home. Uh, Mark then deployed and did, did his deployment, um and uh oh, I've lost myself. Yeah, so I, I deployed, went away, then then Mark Mark went away. Um and then uh well Mark was away, sadly, um we we lost our father. Um yeah. which was, you know, a, a massive blow. Um now sadly there's a lot of people who, who follow me who, who know what's what happened, but um our father was a missing person <clears throat> and sadly took his own life. Uh, which was completely out of the blue for us both, wasn't it? And and yeah. you know, massive shock. And it happened, you know, ten years ago now. So I can I can quite openly talk about it because I think it's quite safe to say that we both have taken a big positive also from the learning of the loss of that. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, like, well, even more. It should have been November yeah. and something. I think like the, the the whole mental health, the male mental health thing specifically. Yeah. Um, I could talk. I could talk for ages about that. It's yeah, really that, this and, subject in itself could yeah, be. But yeah. the reason I bring it up is because we were both having this time of our life, like you know, getting right into our career in the army. Then when we lost Dad like that, for us both, that was that was the end of our military career. Um, yeah. Pretty much so. I I developed. Um, I was really um, upset about it. Um, I was I was actually looking for my, my dad for about a week whilst he was missing, uh, and I took on some massive guilt. Um, almost like survivor's guilt, which is is a bit crazy. Um, and it just took a turn of mental health, and I was like, right, the the army is not for me anymore. And then the army made the decision that your mental health isn't for the army anymore either, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, and then obviously, Mark's experience. Um, yeah, man. Well, fast forwarding from from that bit because I think if I start on that, like you say, that's a subject. In it itself, is. It's why I don't skim over it. Yeah. Um, but I know that then. Similar to you, obviously that was the end of my career in the army for similar reasons, you know, you know, injury and things like that. Um, but then when I left the army, I wanted to be back to what was normal for us in the civilian world and being exactly. in the outdoors and things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I wanted that something that you don't get from a civilian job. Um, it was it's hard to describe. The only other people who have, have you know. Get where you're coming from with it, like the, like the guys who've spoke to with Lakota and things, or with veterans who who have who have gone through discharge from the army, for, you know, whether it's by choice or by end of career. Yeah. The civilian world is or not just set left. Up. Yeah, yeah. Or just left. Yeah, the civilian world is nothing like you know, military. Depending, no matter what regiment or armed service you're in, um. But for me, I was like, right, well, I want I want to do something different. Mm. I'll join Martin Rescue. Um, looked into Martin Rescue, and that's when I stumbled across the Search and Rescue team. Um, and then, again, that you know, it might be worth getting you know some of the guys. We're we'll definitely getting some, you know some, yeah, of, yeah, some of the team yeah. on to talk about like their view and things. But for me, then every Tuesday became 
an adventure because every Tuesday I would train with the search and rescue team, which when I joined 10 years ago, you know, there was only about 20 of us. We had, you know, really old, you know, 110 Land Rovers. Yeah. You know, it, and now it, we've got like, and now, now we've got like nearly 100 people on the team. Yeah. You know, we're, we're technically at capacity now and it's like super modern, you know, mm. all the kit we have. And so that's worth mentioning as well. That yeah. So, so as, as a charity, you know, when it's a big, it's a big thing. When I left, my, my drive was to be an outdoor instructor and it was because the life I had before um, the army, um, you know, I loved, we were brought up in the outdoors, teaching other people and, and so still get to do all that now. Yeah. And, and, and then leaving my career by, not by choice was, was rough, but I need, I wanted something to push and challenge myself. So I then went to Plassey Brennan and did like my, all my outdoor courses cause I did the fast track instructor scheme there. So I did my ML and everything like that. Um, and whilst I was coming to the end of my, my qualifications, um, you said, oh, why don't you join search and rescue with me? Um, so I, I joined for different reasons. I joined um, because of this. All the wrong reasons I joined is what I'm getting at. So, like, you know, don't you? Like, like yeah. the first sort of 12 months of me being in the search and rescue team and, and being, like, operational, um, I did it for all the wrong reasons. I did it to kind of try and put right some wrongs in my own head about finding missing people because, obviously, that's how that's dad passed do. away. Yeah. Um, Quickly learned that that was just a stupid way of life and it wasn't going to be okay. And and um, to continue like that would have just been bad. So I had a chat with you and you were like, nope, stick around, don't leave the team. Um, so then I've been doing it now for eight years and I think you've been doing it for nearly 10 years. Or yeah, like something like that, yeah. I'm at a point now where I think, like, again, this is a different, we we definitely do it as a different subject, I think, this and get mm. some of the others on. But I know I'm now at a point where... Um, I wouldn't leave the team for the benefit it has for not just for other people, but for myself. Like you say, it's just been another tool that, you know, even if we're on the training, that training gets you in the outdoors. Yeah. It gets me in the outdoors. Yeah. And I I get to be with my mates, you know, in the outdoors, Yeah, doing something, doing training that if it was going to play out in the outdoors, I wouldn't be doing it. Like for example, if we're doing like a casualty extraction, um, you know, on steep ground, you know, it's time in the outdoors with your mates, learning and practicing new things, yeah. which may be a benefit when you when we play out almost you know, on a, you know on micro adventures, whatever in the outdoors on a bigger expedition abroad or something. But it's still time. Yeah, it's time, out, time, time, time out. You know yeah. what, what would have been deemed as you know if if you know if Dad was here, he would be all over the team. Oh yeah, like, yeah definitely. definitely. Even even if it was just a support role, not necessarily operationally, but he would. And it's definitely doing that has definitely opened doors for me in my line of work that I do now but I, and I know it's hugely supportive in your uh, line of work as an outdoor instructor when you're doing it yeah. as, as it was for me you know, a couple of years ago but I in a way I'm a bit jealous really on, on the way that you did your outdoor qualifications because you you were lucky enough that hey they were <laughs> don't paid. be jealous mate because well, it was hard <laughs> no no but like because everyone always asks like oh what qualifications do you need to go climbing or you know mountains and things and I think we you don't actually need any you just need to have, you just need to, the best way is l- learn, you know, be well versed in what you're doing, but you don't need, yeah. a, you don't need a bit of paper to do it. However, if you're going to be making money out of it or guiding well, well, other people. I'm pretty then, certain that you can, so that you could set up a company to take people in the outdoors with no qualifications. However, if you have an accident, oh yeah, you're done. Oh yeah, like, yeah. You are done. But what I mean was though, like I had, I had to fit in getting my outdoor qualifications. Most of them are different to yours anyway. Yeah, you know, I, you know. Ironically, I've got my archery instructor's qualification, but don't regularly go to archery. And I go to archery. You, you go nearly well, every more day. Than I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, you know, and also on that note, like, I don't think I've ever give you a lesson. I've never. I don't need one anymore. I'm not from you anyway. Well, I've seen you. I've seen your form sometimes, and I think, oh, I could be doing that a bit better, or I could change. That. So we'll see. When co- when it when it reopens when, after when it reopens. this lockdown, then I'll come down and give you some tips and show you how it's done properly. Eh? Yeah. But uh, but it, well, no, what I'm getting at is that like. Um, I had to fit in doing my qualifications in like my yeah. own time on around the day job and I th- people think I, th- I think people have this perception that training as a mountain leader takes you know a couple of days which don't get me wrong if you do your you know the the, the learning phase of it you, you can do a course and it will be a week but then yeah. you have to go and consolidate all your mountain days which takes months you know some, when, some, well, some people when, do it over years when I, was at Pla- yeah. when I was at Plus they said that the the average time for 
Someone who's never done anything, who wants to get their ML, takes between four to seven years. See, that's mad, yeah. But like, actually fitting in, like, guided yeah. days, individual yeah. days, you know, all the yeah. stuff you need to... Because there's a lot you need to do. Um, Around a job. And I was very lucky that my course was four months of doing something every single day to get you all of these qualifications. Mm. See, um, in itself, did you, did you view... I know, obviously, being at PLAS where you went there, that was going to be... It was in, a, my, in my head, I'm going to be... This will be my job at the end of it. Yeah. But did you ever... Did you not view your... I know, you, 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 I know the answer, but obviously your listeners don't, but the four months you was there, was that not like an expedition? It, you know? You, yeah, I mean... I know, I, know, I know we say... We, we joke and say, oh, you were playing out. I remember having... I know there's that, a lot like, of work that goes into yeah, it. Yeah, I remember having... So when I was there, we were, we were lucky and unlucky to have like the best winter that Wales had ever had. Yeah. In years. And this was like winter in 2013. So the start of that year. Um, and it was amazing. Now, ironically, that was the, the winter that kind of shut the UK down, but the busiest mm. winter that Martin Rescue have ever had in yeah. Wales on record for a long time. Because everyone who couldn't go to work, who couldn't get to work, happened to get to the outdoors. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was snowed in at home in the city, but we're yeah, Yeah, and I remember it, it, was probably, it was probably a week, week six, or it was like week six or week, week six or week eight, I think. Where the staff kind of pulled everyone together and said, "Listen, like we can, we can, we can tell that you're all, like tired." Yeah. Um. So the only way I would say that is not an exhibition was the fact that like we had our own rooms and the accommodation was amazing, but doing something in the outdoors every single day. Oh yeah, people. Yes. You know, in winter yeah. form, it, it it was hard, and yeah. you've got this mental stress because like, although you're doing these amazing, like if I go out in the outdoors now, like with you or whoever, or like people from Lakota and stuff, and we go for like a day out. It is that you're going for an adventure and a day out, but when I was on the course, every single day you were being well, taught. Was a day out. Yeah. You're being t- well. You're being instructed, or you're expected to be an instructor. Yeah. Um, Con- and you're learning. Yeah. So like, as well as doing this physical activity, mm. so like when it's snowing and they're making you go kayaking or guard walking, I didn't want to be going. Like, yeah. I was like, it's cold and wet. Um, but I definitely gained from it now, and I think where all this sort of ties in is that like, a lot of people look at social media, whether it be. Valadeep Mountain High or you know whoever's profile as in the outdoors the quarter, maybe, yeah. yeah yeah anyone like that yeah and um, they'll be like oh, I can't do that yeah. like, I, don't, I don't know how to do that well you can do that for starters everyone I'm pretty sure if you've got social media you can read yeah <laughs> so on social media if you come out with your Instagram app there's a thing called Google <laughs> and you can Google places to go alright so you yeah. can Google a place called the Lake District all right, and you could Google top 10 walks in the Lake District. And you were quite within your capability to go for a walk in the lakes. Um, you know, I don't ever want anyone to sort of see social media or like mine and go, oh, I can't do that. Yeah. Because that's not how we were brought up. We were brought up to where you can do that. Like le- either learn or find someone to learn or ask a question or go and have an adventure. And I think it's pushed us, our yeah. upbringing's pushed us to have this life of yeah. like... I, I I often get like asked like yo was you know was it hard being in the army and I think what people mean by that was it hard training you know was training hard in the army and I think yes aspects of it are very difficult it's designed that way so that the right people qualify to become you know soldiers or you know airmen or seamen or whatever yeah. in in their respective roles but then the bits that I think that other people may have found hard being cold wet. You know, learning how to Yeah, we'd grown up doing that. We'd grown up doing that, yeah. So I, I, I'm always like, well, yeah, bits of it are hard. Like, you know, um, it's, you're still learning new skills and, you know, don't get me wrong, like, you know, there's, there's bits of training, I'm sure. You know, there may be people listen to this who do done things like Brecken in the winter. You know, by no means are they easy courses. But then I'd, we'd grown up doing them. Like, I, I think my, obviously when you joined, I was still a civvy at the time. Um, you know, I, I had expeditions to, you know, sailing around like the, you know, from Liverpool to Ireland, around the north coast of Scotland to Norway and back again. Yeah. You know, as a siver, you know, so I'd done the being away f- in harsh conditions and stuff mm. for a long time. It never really, I wouldn't say it didn't bother me. They would, don't get me wrong, there was times on each expedition that I'd done prior to the army that were at. Yeah. But it uh, definitely set us up now for, you know, being in an environment now where I'm happy to be in the outdoors and... Yeah, and, and if, this people. this definitely touches into. Um, I know there's a lot of people ask me, like, how do you get involved with Martin Rescue or Search and Rescue? And quite often it's a case of doing that thing, like I've just said, where you come off Instagram after seeing it somewhere, and you go in Google and you Google, what is my local Martin Rescue team or what is my local Lowland team or Cave Rescue or whatever it's going to be, 
um, and you supply online, and that's how it starts. What I, I would what I would say though, definitely, what you just said then is you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable, uncomfortable. because you're yeah, out for was, a long time. I was just going to say then, like again, with it's definitely it's easy with the internet, especially Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything like that, to look at it and go, that's really glamorous. That, like, it looks like you go away and you're doing all these. There's bits of it that are really difficult, like yeah, um, you know, and some of it comes at you know risk and loss to yourself and people like look at the RNLI like we we don't really see it like we don't live near the coast yeah. if I did live near the coast it's something I'd want to be involved in yeah, yeah. But, but you know like look I think it was only a couple of years ago they had a crew in I think it was near Whitbear where there was a boat that got in that went out in you know weather they should not have gone out in and yeah. they had they had a, a full uh, lifeboat crew go out to do a rescue and didn't come home yeah exactly you know, yeah you know, yeah so, I mean so pe- people <clears throat> you know, look at it and go oh yeah it's going to be brilliant that it is, but I don't think they also understand that. Not only is there, you know, that's a bit dramatic. That you know, you know, at times there is there is personal risk. There's also like the time away from work. The second you want to call out, that your life stops, doesn't it? Basically, yeah. not only that as well. I think um, I had a chat with um, a couple of people recently about like what their view on charity is, and that people should fund like charity and stuff like that. Charities are there, obviously, if you donate money to and stuff like that. What a lot of people don't understand is that all of the search teams in the UK other than the RAF search teams are voluntary search teams so you're a voluntary individual yeah. so not only do you have to buy all of your own equipment you also have to give up all of your own time to go with, for training you might have to pay for some of your courses and you pay to be a member yeah, it, co- it costs, um, costs in fact in the 10 years I've been there oh, I've, been, I've been a member of our team as is the other people who were there as well I don't, I don't even know how much money I've spent just uh, yeah, no just, idea. just not that's not on equipment or training. Anything, just on like fuel. Just yeah, like yeah. they're just the things fuel. that you don't think about. Yeah, like you yeah. know, go into go into these training locations and back home again, or yeah. go into a call out which could be, you know, Cheshire's a big place in the northwest. You know, we could go from one side to the other, land on the scene, and then you know, oh, we found them. Yeah, which is a good outcome because that you know user that's when that person's you know you know thankfully there's not there's not come to any harm. But yeah, anything. <laughs> I've got to drive all the way home. Or, or likewise, you could drive yeah. that massive distance, do a day, drive all that way home, and then have to do that in for a week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know. yeah. I think the longest full block I've done was was a week or two weeks. I did um, just over a week, um, and it's only the reason I didn't, I couldn't continue because my current job at the time said you've been gone for over a week. Yeah, and I was like, well, there's someone who needs finding and needs help, and they were like, well, you've also got a job, and then uh, you have to make that decision, then don't you, in your life of in theory, my my view should be family and work, whichever order you put that in, because they're both equally as important, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the search team, uh, like rescuing people. But we all know that it definitely doesn't fall in that category. I think if you do any of these sort of things, like Iron Alive, like you'll always drop whatever you're doing to go and. Well, I always think it's you know, funny when when you know when everyone does that. Well, what if you know when I win the lottery? You know, everyone has that. I'm going to be a millionaire one day. Yeah. That, Whenever anyone on the search and rescue team wins a lottery, the search and rescue team would become their job. As in, yeah, exactly. They always go, oh, if we win, we're getting this. We're, we're going to do that. We're going to fund this and stuff. I always said that I would, um, if I won like 120 million or whatever, um, I'd build like, you know, like... Um, like a bespoke training centre. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. almost like a fire station, but for the team and all the kit and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Because um, again, there are things that people like we benefit from that people don't see. Um so yeah, that's what I do. But I definitely go off on a tangent because we could do an entire episode on like the search team. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to touch on with you quickly, if I could, because um, obviously people follow me and you're a ghost online. Um, hobbies, mate. I want to talk about hobbies because I think this year... Which one? Well, well, <laughs> more so. Is I think this year is more important. I think a lot of people have taken up new hobbies. I definitely have taken up some new hobbies. I know you have. I think the importance of being in the outdoors and doing doing outdoor hobbies, I think mm. for people's sort of headspace yeah. now more than ever is more important. Yeah. So like, give us, because um, we do different, we do a lot together, we do do different hobbies. Um, give us your top three, what you would recommend people to start doing. Or top three altogether or top three new? Top top three new. So, well, I think cl- climbing's up there, definitely still, because you can do that indoors. So anyone can go to an indoor climbing wall, an indoor bouldering wall. Yeah. Have a lesson or ask me, and I'll take you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they can go and not have a lesson, and and that's 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 it then. Yeah, yeah. New hobby done. You know, it's a couple of quid to be a membership a year, wherever. And I'm pretty sure every major city has an indoor climbing wall. They do. Yeah, yeah. So so climbing's an easy one, I think. 
Um, you know, we got a lot out of climbing, you know, for all our lives, really. Yeah. Um, it's great and, cardio, and, it's great strength. Yeah. And it's hard work. A new one for that I got into big this summer was um, stand-up paddleboarding. I'm glad that, you know, managed to convince you to buy an expert. It's been, know, it's been... Anyway. But, that's um, I, I would definitely say like paddleboarding for me was yeah was wicked because it not only got give us time for me and you to go and do something together again like but it meant more time in the lake district yeah uh, and it's probably the easiest way to get like yeah onto water yeah other than sailing yeah and I think you know as long as you as as long as people have common sense with it like um you know they wear you know as a minimum they wear a leash so it's fastened to the board it's a relatively safe water sport to do. You know, you're doing it on flat water, really. Yeah. Um. So definitely the paddleboarding. You know, and in the summer, that opened up worlds for stuff like swimming. So like, you know, I'm not a strong swimmer. Um. I'd love to get better at swimming. So this this summer season, I'm looking at doing wild swimming. And what I'll, I might in my head, what I'll do is I'll go away, I'll paddleboard for half a day, and I'll incorporate a wild swim while yeah. I'm there. Because the, the places I would go paddleboarding are the same places that I would consider doing a wild swim anyway, and then. The last one, um, for me, again, just because it's accessible, is running. Um, now, I know you're not... I hate running. Yeah. I hate running. I, 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 I don't even say you can say it, it's like it's an enjoyable no, thing. It, it's just it, not it, an enjoyable it, thing. So, <laughs> when I started it, I hated it. Like, um, But my view on it is, well, even if I go for... When I first started, I thought, if I go out for five minutes, that's five minutes in the outdoors, whether it's you know a local route or wherever, Yeah. that I'm outside, that I wouldn't have been if it had just not done it. Yeah. Um, and oddly enough, it's quite addictive. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, and and that's hard to explain unless you do it as well. But no, it, it was like like anything. If you want to get good at it, you have to do it a lot. So yeah. you, you know, you do archery a lot, like more than anyone else. That I know. so so yeah. What I was to say on, on that is like so. Like the three that I would say would be the slightly different to yours, but so paddleboarding is definitely up there because again, it's time in the outdoors in an yeah. amazing location. Yeah, yeah. And it's relatively chilled out. Yeah, apart if from went, when you're going to start. Yeah, like yeah. there's times we went when it was in the summer. It was a so like, I went with Jay and we like paddleboarded to an island on Coniston. Slept on the island, hammocked on the island, and paddleboarded back. And that was a mint adventure. Yeah, yeah. It was incorporating in like a trip to Lake District, an overnight camp, and paddleboarding for two days. And Jay had never been paddleboarding. Yeah, that was that was I think that was his first go. Yeah. Um, and then so that was great. I would then say um, climbing. For the same reasons as you, you know. Yeah. Everyone could do it. You can, you know, there's a climbing wall in every major, you know, city basically. Um, and if there isn't one in like, so I'm really lucky that there's one in Macclesfield. But if there wasn't one in Macclesfield, I'd be driving to the one at Trafford Park, you know, uh, or Sheffield. Yeah, they're, they're all know, within I would, distance. Yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. quite happily drive an hour to go to an indoor wall because I would drive an hour to climb in the outdoors. So for me, it makes no difference. Yeah. The biggest one, like you said then for me though, that, that I think my biggest hobby has been for the past three years now, I think has been archery. But I think in the last 12 months, uh, well, the last six months because it was closed because of COVID, yeah. which makes no sense. But mm, the hands are tied to that one. Uh, I don't think you can get any more social distance than you can in an archery lane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think like, I think some of the things with that is once you've got everything, I'd say it's a cheap hobby if if you don't constantly upgrade or want you're always going to want more to that, find so it, but... yeah so that, that's something i would say so out of all out of those six things obviously what we've said you know um four from the same so i'd be like puddle boarding um is free once you've got a board and you can pick a board up from anywhere between sort of 300 quid or less to a thousand thousands, yeah. um i think my board was about 800 quid because i thought if i get a fairly decent board it'll last forever and yeah. it's been mint i'm glad that I, I made that purchase same with yours um, mm. running free unless you you know unless you've got no like decent trainers but just get a decent pair of trainers and yeah, yeah. You, you know that's the bare minimum that you need um, climbing um, again I'd put that up there with running really you know you have to pay to get into an indoor wall but once you've bought a pair of shoes that cost comes down from being sort of 12 quid a go to 5 quid a go but I pay like I think it's £32 a month for me to go climbing so that's £32 a month that I pay to my local wall and I can go as much as I want in in that month yeah yeah so um i think the most expensive hobby that i do do is archery though because yeah. i have to pay a yearly fee to gb archery which is like 150 quid which is like my club fees but that then gives me 24 hour access whenever i want to an indoor range an outdoor target field range and then a field archery 3d woodland 
um, and then you bowl. I had this discussion with one of our mates from school today, Andy. Yeah. Um, you bowl can start. You can start cheap, so compound, which is what I shoot. Um, you can start off three four hundred quid for a full setup. That's what I did. Um, however, it doesn't save you any money because you quickly outshoot your bow as in like your ability gets better, um, and you want to do more, so it becomes daft expensive in the thousands. So that, for me at the minute, it's it's cost me thousands how, to be there. How much do you think you've spent on uh, collectively uh, so, all together so, on so, everything, including your fees and, and your bows so and arrows? And... Over the over the time that I've been going, it's hundred and fifty quid a year. I've been going for three years, right? So that's a yearly fee that I can't get out of paying. I have to pay that for insurance and all yeah, that sort yeah. of stuff. My first bow cost me about five hundred pound all in with I think twelve arrows. Yeah, and I've still got eight out of those 12 and I broke two of them because um, a boss fell off and snapped two of them so I lost one and broke two which I think is for when you're sort of getting into archery over a two year period that wasn't that bad um, because I wanted to really push myself and progress uh, I've been going when I could go before Covid closed it recently I was going for an hour and a half or two hours every morning before work so I was getting up at like half five six o'clock and going to archery and then going to work so I knew that it's something that I was going to put time and effort in. And although I show it a lot on social media, on Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that, um, even if I didn't have social media, I'd still be going because it's something that I want to do for me. It's good yeah, headspace. Yeah. Um, my new bow cost all in. God, man, it's hard saying this because I know what people will be like, you spent what? Um, like <laughs> mum will be going mad. she will be like, how much did you spend on that? Yeah. Um, but bear in mind that I go nearly every day. My new setup has cost me I think just shy of like nearly four grand <laughs> because that, like yeah. my arrows for example so one set of so I'm shooting eastern FMJs which are like the leading arrow uh, great hunting arrow but a great target arrow they're designed to go through like bone and things like that um, they're £75 for six yeah yeah so like I nearly lost one a couple of weeks ago and yeah. I, I was like as I released my shot because you can tell from your sound can't you yeah as soon as I released I was like that was a poor release like poor on my form and as soon as I released, I was like, that's just cost me about 20 quid. <laughs> <laughs> so now I justify so, that. I go as much now. because So think, if, if you don't go a lot, it becomes an even more expensive way. Is that if, where you're going? Yeah. So if, if God, man, like my indoor arrows, I can't, I don't, because obviously I shoot two separate sets. My indoor ones are all carbon, um, quite thicker. They've got bigger veins, so they're not affected by wind, so they're faster. Um, I don't know how much they were, but they were probably around about £60 for, for six. Yeah, and it, it just becomes expensive, but like anything, so it's the same with shooting, um, obviously rifle sports and things like that, you can start that off cheap, you know, you can get a cheap shotgun for like 300 quid, and if you want to go and shoot clays every every odd weekend with like your mates on your own, That's all you need, it's going to cost you like whatever it'll cost you. Obviously you've got to do like, you know, your cabinet and get your tickets and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but then you can go like daft money it's like any hobby yeah yeah, um, yeah. so they're, they're my main hobbies I think I think if anyone wanted to get into anything though for the outdoors I would say start by hill walking or just being in the outdoors probably have a blast at running if you want to improve your fizz for the outdoors because hill fit and fitness are totally different yeah um, and then if you really want to progress into doing something like really cool I'd say like wild swimming you know, that's awesome. Paddleboarding and then archery for me is like a big one. One that I'm keen to start next summer though is spearfishing. Yeah. Like that is yeah, definitely. the ultimate. I was going to do that this summer and then COVID ruined everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm massively keen to get on. Well, yeah. I say spearfishing. We've spoke about this a yeah, lot. I was, I was pushing at doing my free diving qualifications. Um, you know, just, just because, you know, we grew up around, you know, dad scuba dives. Like, I'd love to do yeah. that. But again, that'll just be, I know now that will be another expensive... That's that's why moment. I'm kind of glad that we've kind of come to the end of that season because I'm like... Couldn't have afforded anything. That is, yeah, after, after <laughs> getting my new bow fracture, I was like, spearfishing is, that's another expensive hobby. Yeah. But again, once you've got everything, it's... It's free. Yeah. It's free. And, and, it, and, and not just... I'm keen on that because not just are you in the outdoors, you're in, you might as well be in space when you're underwater. Well, well for me, like, I know that it? that will be... If we if we you know, so next year we will be going because I know that you're keen to do yeah, it. so yeah. spear fishing for me I know that it'll be that will turn into another adventure so we'll go to like say Anglesey or Devon for the weekend we'll camp we'll go spear fishing we'll catch and cook whatever we can or we'll be hungry um, probably paddleboard as well and then come home and then that's a weekend done that's a weekend yeah, yeah. outdoors of awesome adventure so yeah listen so we're kind of coming to the end of like our time really. Um, just give everyone... I'm going to ask everyone to see who's come on the show, so you're just really unlucky of being the first person 
on the show. Right. Uh, bear in mind, I've only got a few minutes left. Um, just give everyone a little bit of advice for something that they would want to know. Like, a bit of a, a sort of like advice of how to get into the outdoors and what advice would you give? Um, I can't really take credit for this because it comes from one of our friends. Um, but I, I know he would agree and I know he won't, he, you know, he'll be gutted now if he comes on and he, he can't give this bit of advice. But I, tough luck, I, I beat you to it. So, yeah. so um, our friend Jonathan, who we grew up doing a lot of this mad sort of sports with and stuff like I that. I know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. so <laughs> I, I, I can't remember, I'm sure it was at his wedding or the stag do, one of the two, which was a mad adventure as well. But um, he, he said, um, he, he said, because obviously he grew up doing the stuff with us and with dad and things, um, that he was grateful for not it sounds dead big headed because it was he said he was grateful for knowing us yeah. you know, I'm equally as grateful for knowing him he's, you know oh yeah, yeah totally. we've done this together but he always said it was it was, was shown him the ability to say it gave him the ability to learn to say yes more than no and what I mean by that is like so we've running's a prime example like you said oh I hate running well I hated running but then when I started now it's what people would go oh you know this the hardest bit's going, actually. And when I say going, I mean making the decision in your head to go outside when it's yeah, raining. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. And, you know, as it is with a lot of outdoor sports. So we just go, well, the weather might be rubbish. Yeah. It'll just be another turn on the adventure. And funnily enough, and I know you agree, when the weather's bad, that's when you have the best stories afterwards. Because yeah, to- I mean, like, I, 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 I hate running, away, but so. I still, you know, I, I, hate, I hate it when I'm doing it, but afterwards I always look back at it. So if I, like, so if I'm going, if I know I'm planning a, like a long run, say, I say a long run by no means. I mean ultra runner, but um, I'll look and go. Um, oh, the weather's ideal for that today. But it might it would be good for my my time, like my you know my, my run time. But then when the weather's bad, that's when I know that like, I'm gonna get enough. You know, out yeah. mentally sort of thing. So yeah. So yeah. So your advice is say yes to more adventures, basically. Yeah. Or yeah. never turn down an adventure. Just say even if it's a micro adventure, like just for the day or a couple of hours or whatever you can fit in. Um, you know. Sound Def- advice. Definitely that. go and do it, yeah. Definitely. So, guys, Matt, we've been a little bit up and down, but obviously me and Matt know each other really well. And um, we could talk for hours on each of the subjects we've covered. But I would say just a massive thanks for Matt for taking the time to sort of have an hour and sit down, which actually turned into two hours, basically, because we messed the first you, hour up. You, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm learning. Uh, and, guys, thanks for tuning in. Please, obviously, you know, try and spread the, the podcast and everything like that and, and keep doing what you're doing. Everyone stay safe and I'll get another episode as soon as I can um, online for you guys. But thank you all very much for tuning in and I will see you all again soon. Take care. Bye-bye.